The life that God has called you to should look radically different than most. It's a very good thing to stand out and be different when what's setting you apart from the world is your love for the Lord. Don't be afraid to live a life in worship of Him. Don't be afraid to be holy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Inadequate Catholic Podcast. My name is Olivia, and I'm really happy that you're here. Thanks for hanging out with me. The other day, I was reminded of a song that if you're a Christian of almost any denomination, you've probably heard it. It goes something like this. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And that sounds really nice, right? The Christian way to love unconditionally. I mean, those were the basic teachings of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. Turn the other cheek. Love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemies. The way of the Christian should be to love. But what does love actually mean? St. Thomas Aquinas suggests that true love derives less from emotion and more from a decision. He says to love is to will the good of another. And his use of willing good implies that there has to be an action attached. It's about being committed to another person and their good and sacrificing our own preferences and desires. It's active. It makes decisions and it moves with intention. When I look at the world and look at the church and look at myself I think we're all really great at preaching and teaching about love, and we're especially wonderful at feeling love towards someone. But it's easy to do something kind for someone when you get along with them or have grown in any kind of relationship with them. But what about the times where it's not so simple to love like that? In a previous episode, I mentioned that I've adopted a phrase to help me handle difficult people. I say something to the effect of, Lord, please love this person because I can't. And why can't I? Why is it so hard for me to love people well and unconditionally? I think the obvious answer is one that I hate to admit, but I, like so many of us, struggle with selfishness. So it's not the self-sacrificial type of love that St. Thomas Aquinas teaches. Rather, it's a self-serving kind of love. I think this really reveals itself in the way we display our faith to the world. Because in order that we not show the world our selfishness, we almost overcorrect it an adopt-and-anything-goes type of approach. I don't judge people because I'm loving. I don't correct my friends when they're doing something wrong because I'm loving. I don't speak up or participate in controversial or uncomfortable conversations because that's not loving. I don't vote or make my voice known because it might hurt someone, and I don't want to do that. I'm loving. So our love for others suddenly becomes hands-off, and we become passive in it. And exactly where does passive love get us? Well, look around. As Christians, we have become so blasé in our love. We have become indifferent to love in its active form. And why? Well, because we fear that it might just cause us discomfort. And boy, do we hate to be uncomfortable. I overheard a conversation by some friends of mine, and someone said, I will stand up only for the things that have a direct correlation to how much I will suffer because of it. When asked to elaborate, he said, well, if someone in my class gets in trouble for something, even if I agree with him, I'm going to put my head down and keep my mouth shut because I need to survive in my class. I'm not going to help anyone by adding to the chaos. Well, I would wholeheartedly disagree with this approach. I think of that line by Ellie Wiesel, we must take sides. 
Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere. And look what our indifference has done to our world. Our world is in ruin. It is imploding because good men refuse to act. We keep turning the other cheek, and look what's happened. How many times have we rolled over in the name of compromise to satisfy the perception that if we're quiet, it might just keep chaos at bay? But the reality is, it's done just the opposite. And we're all guilty of this. Every one of us has a responsibility in this. I can think of many times where I myself have hesitated to speak up for fear that I might lose my job or lose a very important client. But consider Christ's time on earth. His love was anything but hands-off. On the contrary, he was very hands-on. He went out into the world and met people where they were, and every single time he went out into the world, he acted. He healed, he helped, he saved, he encouraged, and he directed. And he also ruffled some feathers. He drew lines in the sand, and he challenged opposition. He spoke out against injustices, and he stood up for the helpless. He flipped tables and demanded that those worshiping in his father's house do better. He was not a doormat. He put people in their place. He told them, what you're doing is wrong. Here's how you come back. He was fearless in his action of love. Now look at the saints, those who have gone before us and followed Christ's lead in acting in the name of their faith. And consequently, many were persecuted for that. My sister and I were talking about St. Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church, and after he was stoned, moments before he died, his last words were, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. How could he, after being stoned to death, look at his persecutors and wish forgiveness on them? Well, it's because he willed their ultimate good, even after they killed him. That is Christian love. There's a quote often attributed to Edmund Burke that says the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And upon researching it further, I found that the essence of the quote can actually be traced back to a speech given by John Stuart Mill around 1867, where he said, Let no one pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. He is not a good man who, without a protest, allows wrongs to be committed in his name because he will not trouble himself to use his mind on the subject. In a conversation with my mom this week, I was reminded of a story about St. Francis of Assisi, who had gotten word of his parish priest's relationship with a woman in town. And many people approached St. Francis and begged him to address the priest. So St. Francis went to visit him, and when he finally spoke with the priest, he didn't yell or scream at him about his affair. He didn't reprimand him for his actions. Rather, St. Francis calmly looked him in the eyes, grabbed his hands, and said, These are the hands that touch my Lord. Be worthy of them. In that moment, he was not a clanging gong or a crashing cymbal, but he made his point and redirected that disciple of the Lord. This is how we ought to act. This is how we change the trajectory of the lives entrusted to us. The saints stood for something as Christ stood for something. 
we as Christians are called to do the same. We should be so on fire with love that we have no choice but to take action. And we have to be careful not to seek out a fight, but we must be willing to stand up and fight for the good when that moment comes around. We have no room to be complacent, nor should we allow the opportunity for God to look at us and say, I need you. What are you doing? Say something. Do anything. The saint certainly did not give him that opportunity. And isn't that our goal? To become saints? You can have your ideas, your thoughts, and your opinions, but you have to do something with them. If you don't, what good are they to you and what use are you to him? Look at the state of our world, the state of our churches, and the state of our families. It doesn't take much to see that there seems to be a dwindling amount of good there. Quite frankly, it appears that good people are non-existent. And though we know they do exist, they are often hard to find because they refuse to speak. This fear of taking a stand has caused us to become so paralyzed in our efforts to do good for fear of the repercussions of our valiant efforts. In college, my spiritual director told me this. He said, Olivia, one day you will stand before God and be accountable to every single action and inaction of your life. And surely he will show you the moments that you witnessed injustices and wrongdoings. How disappointed would you be for him to look at you and say, this is what you saw, and yet you did nothing. I refuse to have that conversation with him because I already have enough to answer for. So in regards to that lovely little song, I think we can do a little bit better than that. The world should look at us and know we are Christians by our courage. They should know we are Christians by our perseverance, by our willingness to get uncomfortable, by our boundaries, by our actions, by our bravery to speak out against evil. This is how we show the world that we love. This is how we show people that we love. And in doing so, in times of persecution, you will be able to look at your persecutors and with an active, selfless love say, what you are doing is not right, and I pray God lay not this sin to your charge. Ask for the grace to love like the saints. Ask for him to teach you how to love like Christ. Be active in your pursuit of him and in your life of faith. And it's hard to take the first step. So I'll lend you some advice. Simply ask him what he wants from you and be brave. Until next time. I'm Olivia Palmer, and you've been listening to the Inadequate Catholic Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another Inadequate Conversation, and thanks for listening. Deo gratia.